Well, I'm in my Christmas series, and I love to preach about Christmas. Can I have one amen there? I mean, uh, you still there? Can I? Can I? Okay. Uh, but at any rate, it's, uh, you know, it's always a favorite time of the year for a lot of reasons. But for me personally, I love being able to share uh, some of the essentials about the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ, to this earth, his penetration of the darkness of human experience with the power of God's glory and the plan of deliverance for all of humanity. What a glorious occasion for celebration, amen? Uh, I am preaching, however, on a little different subject than the traditional approach to Christmas, uh, and that would be Christ in you is the title of this three-Sunday series, Christ in You, and it's taken from Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Let's look there in the Passion Translation. I want to read that from the Passion for a moment. And this, of course, is a brief review of what we started last Sunday. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now... It's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Now it's being revealed. That's what Christmas is all about, by the way. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. That's the mystery. A mystery is something that human logic will never understand. It has to be revealed by the Lord, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and this is the mystery that we're talking about, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. This is an awesome passage for you to think about and meditate on. But when you know that Christ is in you, then it creates a level of expectation that nothing else can create. The hope of his glory, as the King James translation puts it, hope there means confident expectation. And I would suggest the only way to truly have a confident expectation that God's glory or manifest presence in this physical world a manifestation of his power, his grace, his love, his person. The expectation of that, the confident expectation of that through your life and the fullness of time as you need that manifestation to occur. The only way you can confidently expect that is to know that Christ is in you. Amen. We looked at 2 Corinthians 13, 5 also last week not going back there again at the moment, but we're told there that if you don't want your Christianity to be counterfeit, you need to know that Christ is in you. And we're to examine ourselves with regularity to make that determination. The Amplified says that examination should be whether or not you're showing the proper fruit of his indwelling presence which is the peace and the joy and the love, the things that are not going to come any other way other than a revelation of Christ in you. 
then it doesn't matter what you're dealing with in the natural. You can feel peace. You can feel joy. That's the fruit of knowing that he's in you. Now, he comes in you when you're born again. Every believer, uh, you know, has Christ in them. But you have to know it for there to be a confident expectation. There has to be a revelation of God to your heart. And you have to know that he is in there. And then it changes your experience of life. The reason this is a Christmas story is because Mary is the first person that this happened to. She is the first of all believers to follow that Christ was formed within her. Christ came in her and became her hope of glory, her confident expectation of the manifested presence of God on this earth. Let's take a look at um, Luke chapter 1, verse 30, because this is, you know, uh, the Christmas story gives us insight as to how the revelation comes that is going to enable us to, to live the fullness of this life on this earth as the Lord intends. The angel said unto her, this is Gabriel showing up with a word from the Lord. The angel said unto her, I'm not through with that first verse, fear not Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now you can change it. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel responded by saying to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And then in verse 38, she responds simply, Behold the handmaid of the, handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And when the moment Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word, what word had she just received? She had received a, uh, a definitive declaration that the Son of God was to be conceived within her, born into this earth, you know, and his kingdom, there'd be no end. A few high points about who he is and the long-term effects of, uh, of this great moment. And part of the word was that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the highest will overshadow you. And so the moment she said, be it unto me according to thy word, Mary was born again and Jesus was conceived in her heart. This is where Mary was born again. And when you are uh, born again, it is because you conceive of the seed of God's word in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus tells us in Mark 4 that the word is the seed, or the seed is the word. And it's interesting that that Greek word for seed is sperma. It is where we get our English word sperm. And of course, it refers to 
the capacity to create life and to bring the God kind of life into existence. And so we see the moment you say what Mary did, be it unto me according to thy word about Jesus Christ and the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit, be it unto me according to thy word, and she's saved. She is made eternally and spiritually alive unto God. Mary was as dead as anybody else in this world. Don't ever deify Mary. She was a normal human being that got saved before anybody else did at this point in time. And let's establish this as a, as a clear fact from Scripture. Let's look at John chapter 3 for a moment. And we'll begin in verse 3. Of course, uh, one of the Pharisees named Nicodemus had approached Jesus. He was one of the rulers of the Jews. He was a rabbi and uh, a learned man. And Jesus, and he, he said, I, I understand you're a teacher. Because of all of the miracles you do, you must be a teacher from God. But of course, Jesus was a lot more than a teacher. But as he said in his word earlier, until a man's born again, he's got no capacity to understand the things or the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So he doesn't engage Nicodemus in a discussion about it theologically. He just makes this point. And he says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, period. Says Nicodemus, until you're born again, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is where it, where it all begins. And then in verse 5, we see a little more definition of the new birth by Jesus said again, when Nicodemus expressed his lack of understanding regarding going back into the womb a second time, Jesus said, verily, verily. I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. And he's beginning to give definition to what it means to be born again. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And this shouldn't be confusing to anybody uh, because the term water is used. If we went to Ephesians 5, 26, which we'll do for a moment. Let's do that for a minute now. And this is talking about the husband and wife relationship. Uh, but he goes in, within that context and says that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Talking about the church with the washing of water by the word. So we can see the use of the word water is a reference to how we are spiritually cleaned, cleansed. Just like a natural um, cleansing process would involve water. Uh, you either get in the river, get in the creek, get in the lake, or you use water to clean yourself. Uh, spiritually, the analogy is in terms of cleansing uh, is to the Word of God. And so going back to um, John chapter 3, verse 5, uh, let's read that again. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of the word of God, which is what water refers to here, and of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So we see two contributors to the new birth, to the kind of heart change that 
uh, every human being needs to experience. It is the Word of God, and it is the revealer of that Word to the human heart, who is the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, we'll just read a little, little bit more about this, John 3, verse 15. Now this tells us what the born again experience is based upon, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, just staying here for a moment, we just read that a man can't see the kingdom of God, can't perceive anything about it, including heaven, unless he's born again. And then he tells us what that really produces or means. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So believing in him is what brings together the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to produce the miracle of regeneration called the new birth. And as we continue reading in verse 16, the Lord elaborates a little further. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Next verse says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. A lot of people still are not real clear on this. But that the world through him might be saved. The word condemn uh, implies you know, consignment to a particular experience, which would be to condemn means to curse. It means death, condemned with cursing, with death. And of course, death without God is hell, separation from God. So condemnation would be cursing death and hell. God sent not his son into the world for that purpose, but rather that through him, Anybody can be saved. Next verse says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. If you believe on Jesus this morning, you know, God isn't sending cursing, <clears throat> isn't using the touch of death to correct you. He is not removing himself from your, your presence, your life, or your eternal destiny. If you believe on him, but he that believeth not is already condemned. People in the world that have never heard the, the gospel truth we're talking about now or have rejected it are already condemned because these folks have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And it is that belief which brings the new birth into, into the reality of a person's experience and that, of course, is as a result of the water of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit interacting to produce that miraculous conversion. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is what we see first occurring in Mary. There's some interesting, um, interesting things that you need to be aware of when the Bible talks about uh, when Gabriel's announcement, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit would come upon her or the power of God would come upon her. The power of God would overshadow her as a result of the Holy Ghost coming upon her. We see a, a type of what happens to us uh, like in the book of Acts, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that you'll see uh, as you read these verses 
it's always referred to as the Holy Ghost coming upon or there being an overshadowing or there be an infilling. A filling. They're all one and the same. If we think about Acts 1.8, the Lord told his disciples before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he told them, you shall receive power. The word there's dunamis, miracle working power. And of course, it's where we get our English word dynamite. That's the same word Gabriel used when he said, uh, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. It's the same word, power, dunamis, in both instances. And so we see in the book of Acts, you know, um, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon them, Jesus said in Acts 1.8. But then in chapter 2, when he does, it says they were all filled. So you see all of these terms tie together. The overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone uh, is synonymous with that person being filled with the Spirit. And so it's, it's interesting to me uh, to see these similarities between what God says about the new birth and what actually happened to Mary. She heard the word regarding the Son of Jesus coming being conceived in her, growing within her, being birthed into the world through her. She believed that along with the Holy Ghost coming upon her, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost coming upon her and overshadowing her with his power. And this is all synonymous with being filled with the Holy Spirit, this operation of the Spirit of God that creates the new birth. Now here you have an interesting uh, parallel to consider, and I would just encourage you to think about it and consider it. Once she conceives, which is analogous to our new birth experience, Christ is going to be formed in her over a process of time. Now the natural analogy to uh, a literal physical pregnancy tells us truths that we need to understand on a spiritual plane. But as time uh, progressed, and in the natural arena, there is a gestation period of nine months for a human being. And so there's a fixed time during which, in the process of, of feeding and caring for herself, uh, you know, that embryo is going to grow within her, Jesus will be formed more and more on a progressive basis until his person is ready to be born into this earth. And even then, the process of growth isn't concluded because 30-some years, had 33 years had to pass on earth before he was ready to do the work of redemption, during which time he grew in wisdom and stature. So Christ being formed, first of all, in you is the new birth, but then there's a process that has to occur of his growing within you. And, and at some point during that process, he will be ready to be expressed to the world through you. 
And then there'll be literal physical manifestations of his presence, and that's what the glory is. Through you. So there's that process of Christ growing in you and reaching a point when he is ready to be birthed through you, not someone else, for the benefit of the world that you live in. And just some of the things that the Lord has spoken to me about this that, that are interesting to me, and, you know, I can't make a doctrine out of any of this, but the Lord did say in Isaiah 118, come let us reason together, and if we start with the right premise, which is the Word of God, then we can gain proper understanding. So if you allow yourself to think about these things, understanding that the Holy Spirit is within you for the purpose of revealing them to you. As you think about these things, so, okay, Christ grows in us, becoming more and more perfected within us until at a certain point he's ready for the world around us to be expressed to the world around us through us. Is that nine months? No. Because we're talking about a spiritual consideration. Naturally, in the physical arena, yeah, yeah, it's nine months for a normal child to be formed enough in the womb to be ready for life on this earth. But spiritually, there is no time. Uh, that's the timeless arena. So, you know, the time that it takes for him to be formed in you Enough for him to be birthed into this natural world around you. Do you have any indication of what that might be or of what the timing might be and how the process occurs? Well, of course, his growth in you is going to continue being an interaction of the Word of God with the Holy Spirit within you who reveals the truth of that Word. And as he grows within you, then perhaps, you know, the arm of healing is sufficiently formed and or the arm of God's provision and prosperity or, you know, the body that is Christ and everything he is begins to take shape within you as you hear the word of God and as the spirit of God uh, interacts with that word you're hearing and reveals it to you, you grow. Christ in you grows. And he is your confident expectation of the manifest presence of God through you into this world. That would be analogous to the birth of a natural child. When does that occur on a spiritual plane? I think it's fairly simple. It is when other people are going to be affected by his indwelling presence other than you. He'll grow within you and you'll benefit from that growth within. You'll find healing is a fact of your life. You'll find that God indeed is your Jehovah Jireh. He makes provision for all of your need. You'll see things happening in your personal life. But when there's a point where you are sufficiently aware of the need for your life to be turned outward, so other people can experience what you have tasted during this time of his growth in you. This is what love is. You become a channel for God to be 
used through in order to change the world around you. That's when the manifestation of his glory, his presence will become a regular fact of your life. This is my opinion. But as with most things, I think you'll discover I'm right. That's a joke in case you didn't identify it as such. But basically, uh, it is the it is truth that, you know, as long as we are consumers of all that the Lord is and does, then he'll still be within us. And we can benefit, you know, from that indwelling presence and we'll experience healing and we'll experience, you know, other things that he says he wants to do. But the moment the light goes off and we say, to ourselves, I'm here to be sure this gets into other people. And our life becomes a resource to God to bring ministry to bear to other people. Then I believe Christ is born through us into a literal manifestation, which is what his glory is in this natural world. We'll begin seeing the miraculous, you know, the operation of the gifts of the spirit, as I've said, are not for the believer. They're for the world around you. And of course, it's as the Spirit wills. It's not something you can drum up, but the likelihood of the power of God operating through you, gifts of healings and working of miracles and words of knowledge and wisdom, all of these things will begin working through you as your desire for God to be seen through you and change other people becomes dominant. It becomes the most important consideration of all. God's always going to be interested in meeting your personal need. But you have to become personally more interested in meeting other people's need for God to begin manifesting himself through you to them. And that's when he's born into this natural arena. That's when the glory, the hope of glory is going to occur. The confident expectation of glory will be at hand is when you, you have that shift. And this is more than just saying, oh, yes, I love other people. I care about other people. No, it's, this, is, this is something that happens internally. It's like you suddenly, it's just not enough for you to get your need met. There isn't any fulfillment there as compared to what God intends there to be when he flows through you for the benefit of others. When your life becomes a resource to use on other people's behalf, now, now you'll begin seeing the miraculous, the gifts of the Spirit operating through you Amen. because God's manifesting his power and his grace through you to the world around you. But only when that is your paradigm. This is what I want. Now you're ready to give birth to him in this natural arena. But the process of growth, both with his growth within you and then after you become uh, conscious of addressing, you know, the world around you by what has grown in you, yes, there's still a growing process even after he's born into this earth through you. And you begin to see, uh, you know, evidences of his manifest presence and glory and 
operation of the gifts of the Spirit here or there, whatever the case may be, it's still, there's still a growing process. Jesus being expressed through you to the world around you. Just as surely as he had to grow from a newborn child till he was ready to become the redeemer of mankind, that growing process will continue through you. And so whether it's growth in you or growth through you, what is the primary key? Well, the word of God is foundational to all of that growth. But I think where most of us lose it a little bit is the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us. Because once you're filled with the Spirit initially, there is a requirement that you continually be filled. Being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, sometimes called the baptism in the Holy Ghost, because regardless of what you may hear uh, in other segments of the body of Christ, you don't get all of the Holy Ghost you're going to get when you're born again. You do not. And if you can read the book of Acts and be intellectually honest about it, you will see many references to, references to the fact that there is an experience subsequent to the new birth called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <coughs> Excuse me. And that filling, infilling of the Spirit is just the first of what ought to be a lifetime of refilling. Because you're not just filled one time. And the degree to which you remain filled will be the degree to which you grow in Christ. Because it's that infilling, uh, that indwelling presence and fullness of the Holy Ghost within you that interacts with the Word to produce the growth and the spiritual maturity that we're talking about right now. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 for a moment. Familiar passage to most of you. Be not drunk with wine wherein is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That was interesting to me that he used wine and being drunk or having too much wine producing excess. Uh, rebellion, one translation says, um, drunkenness, or I forget what other translations say, which are negative. But it was interesting that he used uh, too much wine or alcohol uh, as a, a uh, in the same phrase as being filled with the Spirit, and that being the alternative. In other words, if you want to be carefree if you want to get out from under the stress of the day, you don't do it by drinking alcohol. You do it by being filled with the Spirit. Any positive thing that you might say alcohol does, and there really isn't any. But you might say, well, it relieves me of the stress of the day. It gives me, a, it's an escape mechanism. You know, it enables me to re relax. It enables me to sleep better. Uh, all of these things uh, are nothing but the counterfeit of what God's provided that will do all of that in spades. Amen. And that is to be filled with the Spirit. But, you know, that's not my reason for going here. 
Brother Hagen said that uh, this is in the continuous present sense, just like hearing the word. You don't hear the word one time and that does it. Well, you don't get filled with the spirit one time and that does it. This is in the continuous present sense as well. He said this would be more accurately translated as be being filled. Be being filled. It is an ongoing experience that you can promote in your life on a daily basis. And to the extent that you do, just as to the same extent that you hear the word, if you hear the word you know, uh, a few times on the front end, but then you never get back in it, never meditate it, never speak it. Uh, you're not going to progress down the path of maturity. This is true for the Holy Spirit. As long as you, you know, you say, be it unto me according to thy word, meaning the Holy Ghost is going to quicken the word to you and you're going to conceive in your heart and Jesus will be born in you. Jesus will be formed in you. That's true. But it's not a one-time event if you want the experience to reach its fullness. And so being, be being filled with the Spirit. How does that occur? The next verse tells us. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Wow. Now, uh, a lot of translations would suggest that this is when we come together. You speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And certainly it would have that application. But I think primarily he's saying, speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Because you can do this every day. You don't need to wait until Sunday until you come together with others in the church to see the Spirit of God magnified and move in your life, which should occur but you can do it every day. You can speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs every day. You know, and I've, I've discovered that quite by accident, if I'm spending my time with the Lord, reading the Word, and uh, doing what I'm supposed to be doing in my devotional life, pursuing God, uh, I'll wind up preaching to myself. I'll have a meeting later that day that I'm thinking about maybe, and I wind up preaching to the guy that I'm meeting with, you know. Uh, I start preaching, and I preach to myself a lot. Well, don't look at me that way. We need to talk to ourselves. We need to preach to ourselves. Line up, body. You're healed. You know, you need to talk to yourself. Just like David said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Get up, you know, rise up. You need to talk to yourself. You need to preach to yourself. And you can do this very easily. You know, in the privacy of your home. And, you know, you talk about hymns and, and spiritual songs. You might be a little intimidated because not everybody has the quality of voice that I have. And so singing might be something that seems to be out of your arena of expertise. And, of course... Uh, nobody needs help in that area more than I do. But, but basically, you know, it's amazing how good I sound in the shower. And it's amazing how good I sound when I'm singing to the Lord. He loves my singing. He thinks I've got a great voice. Amen. And it's easy to sing unto him. 
If you can't think of a good song, it says spiritual songs. A spiritual song is singing in the spirit. Singing in tongues. If you can't think of a good song, just sing in tongues. I mean, you can do that. Anybody can do that. And boy, in the shower, it sounds like you are the man or the woman. But you should do this every day. You should get in your time with the Lord. Yeah, read the word, but then preach to yourself a little bit. It's easy, man. I read the word about something and I'll have something going on in my life somewhere, and I start preaching about it. I start proclaiming the word. You know, say, I say preaching. I mean, it's, it's really just saying, yeah, that's right. You know, I may have had an argument with somebody about something. I want to prove my point, and I read this in the word, and I'll start preaching about that point. That's not necessarily a proper motive to win an argument, but I'm just trying to, to make, to, to set the scene that I think is, well, it's commonplace in my life, and I'm not that different than most people. So when I'm spending time with the Lord, you know, and, and I'm reading some of the Word, and, and, you know, wherever He takes me that day, or I'm praying about something that is of particular interest to me at that point, you pray with your understanding and you pray in the Spirit, uh, you know, I'll start seeing things, and uh, I'm preaching to myself and proclaiming the Word, and, and then I get happy. And when you get happy, and, and that's just an automatic response, really, you get happy. When you start uh, adjusting the way you're seeing your circumstance, whatever you're praying about, uh, when you make that adjustment to how God sees it, you get happy. Because there's no dead end in God. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. You can overcome every obstacle in this word because he did and he's in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. You get happy. And if you don't know what to sing in the natural, I've got a couple of songs that, that I like to sing, you know. Joshua won the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua won the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. I like that, but I don't know too many, so uh, I revert quickly to singing in the spirit. And uh, you know, boy, I tell you, it just begins setting you off and everything else that it says here uh, in this verse and the next makes, begins to happen. Singing and making melody in your heart you'll start making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then it goes on to say, giving thanks for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about having a thankful heart that gets to God's heart and make no mistake about it. There's something about a thankful heart that opens you to God's heart or opens God's heart to you, however you want to put that. Thanksgiving is huge. It's important. It's how you begin turning your boat around. You might have had a really rough morning getting up. Things look kind of dark. You started spending some time with the Lord, looking at your situation from the perspective of the, of the Word. You got a little bit happier. You begin singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and putting some words to it, maybe spiritual songs, whatever. And the next thing you know, you are one thankful 
person. If you think you don't have a lot to be thankful for, you need to get saved. Because anybody that's saved can be thankful for just about anything that is coming down the pike. Hello. So basically, I would say that the key to being filled with the Holy Spirit is being sure you're doing this on a regular basis. That you're giving the Lord opportunities to speak through you in your time with him, make proclamations, do some preaching to yourself, do a little singing in the understanding and in the spirit. That'll get you going, man. You'll be making melody in your heart by this time, even though the day may have looked dark when you got out of bed. And by the time you get to thankfulness, and you can start thanking God for all of the things he already has done and has said that he's going to do, and you've gotten yourself stirred up and thankful. Now, Jesus is ready to hit the world through you. Now, you're ready to go out into the world because you've gotten yourself full of him. You're looking at life through the eyes of the Lord that there are tons of people out there that need a little bit of what you've got. And you want the Lord to show up through you, you know, and he will. This is your confident expectation of glory. The interaction between the Word and the Holy Ghost. I'm kind of stalling here because there was something else that came to mind I wanted to say, and I lost it. I don't want to end it until I think of it because then I'll be ticked off that I forgot it. Oh, hallelujah. Um, well, just pray I don't get ticked off, okay? Because I can't think of it at the moment. But, you know, uh, I'll, I'll mention it next week. <laughs> Yeah, if, if it doesn't pop up in the next few seconds. But this is a, a hugely important understanding for us to have. Oh, I remember what it was. I remember what it was. The primary focal point uh, for you regarding revelation from God is this one thing, Christ in you. Make no mistake about it. You can start there every time you begin praying, every time you begin uh, reading the Word, every time you uh, begin spending time with the Lord. Focus on who is in you. And that you'll walk through your day with that awareness because nothing makes that difference in your day or the difference in your day that that does, knowing that the greater one is living in you. The greater one being Jesus Christ. Christ, your confident expectation of God's manifestation in your life. He is in you. And he's looking for an opportunity to show himself strong on your behalf. Through you. And of course, as you approach your life that way, looking for who and when and how God wants to demonstrate himself to the world through you, you'll have those opportunities come. 
and your confident expectation of his manifest presence will be met. And it might be a, a miracle of healing or a, uh, it might just be a, a, the miraculous in some arena of human experience. Might be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom that sets somebody else completely free or turns them around. Could be any one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. It could be, you know, uh, however the Lord decides he wants to show up through you. There is no more important a thing for you to meditate on and for you to focus on than Christ and you. Because you're not just going to take him anywhere. You're not just going to be doing anything with an awareness that he's in you. It changes the way you live your life. And, of course, that is to your benefit because the result is an increase in the blessing and success that only God can bring.